Hello there to our millions and millions of fans all over the world. We have a bit of a serious topic for you today, so we just wanted to put out there some trigger warnings before you listen to this episode. So thank you for letting us put that out there and enjoy. This episode of the University of Pleasure is brought to you by Choke Coffee. That's right, University of Pleasure fans. This is our first official sponsor, and we are thrilled to be partnering with Choke Coffee. Now, you're asking yourselves, Choke, this is a sex podcast. What are we talking about here? Well, it's not the kind of choke that you would think we would be talking about in the University of Pleasure. It actually has to do with jujitsu. And I am sure they actually make those sounds. This is fuel for grappling, folks. And I happen to be an expert on jujitsu. Why, you ask? Because I took three years of Olympic karate in the elementary school days. And of course, I watched the UFC. So I am one step from a ninja. Nobody challenge me, especially after I have a cup of hot choke coffee. So check out chokecoffeeco.com. Again, that website is chokecoffeeco.com for all things jujitsu choke coffee. Clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure. Where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc, it is the full swing of summertime. I'm loving that everybody is getting out in the open. It feels like sexy times, you know what I mean? Because then everybody starts wearing like less clothing and we all start like, you know, hanging out more outside. Are you feeling that? Are you feeling that? I mean, the the warm, the warm And we are back folks here at the University of Pleasure. You know, I have to be honest with you, Doc. I hope that uh, you are feeling better. I know you've been having some uh, migraine things happening recently. You know, I know that I am really good at massage, but I want you to know that I'm not going, as a professional, I'm not going to offer you my services because we work together. Well, thank you. (laughs) And just so you know, the last person that I tried to give like a cranial massage to literally passed out in front of me and... (laughs) What did you do? <laughs> I was just about talking. You wouldn't you would believe it. it's totally true. I was literally rubbing this person's head and they just dropped out from under me. And That's I terrifying. was like, what just happened? And then I was like, oh my God, I killed him. And then of course I told my wife, I was like, I was rubbing my friend's head and she just passed out. And my wife was like, why would you ever touch anybody? What's the matter with you? Don't you know your luck? And I was like, oh God, you're right. And so now I don't offer those services anymore. It's a blanket across, you know, across, every, I, won't, I won't touch anybody. I'm not touching anybody ever again in that way. 
but I highly recommend cranial massages, especially if you're suffering from headaches, Doc. I, you know, I've had a number of them. Maybe I'll go get one today. Yes, go get it. Have them put the fingers in your hair and they do the rub thing. It's so <laughs> great. It's so worth it. It'll make you I've, feel better. I've had a, I've had a many, uh, but none that have uh, knocked me out. Which Listen, I don't seems... know. It's just I have superpowers. Okay, clearly. <laughs> you got you got something, Jeremiah. I will tell you. <laughs> I got something here, Doc. You got you got something in you. So. Uh, announcements about our announcements of course the amy book is out there don't forget to check it out by autumn karen and myself we're actually talking about releasing it uh in actual book format and what i mean by that is like tangible real book that you put in your hand in pages you know because it's only ever been released <laughs> digitally so we were thinking that maybe we'll you know uh pull that out very soon and i'm excited about that uh, not because I'll read my own book or anything like that, because we all know that's never going to happen. But I would put you it might, on the you shelf. Might, you might hold it. Yeah, I might hold it. it. I, I might flip through it. I might read the back flap and then might put it on the shelf. Might read over your own bio and look at your own picture just a few times. Just a, well, I, I want to make sure that it's right. Obviously, I want to yeah. make sure that mm -hmm. I look good. I want to make sure it's a good picture of me, of course, right? right. And then I'm going to put it on the shelf next to our University of Pleasure uh, major award from last year and just kind of look at like, wow, look at, look at, look at the greatness. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Look at all mm -hmm. my greatness, so much greatness. And <laughs> I, and I, I tell you, when you have so much greatness in you, it is really important that you display it. And so if I have a tangible book like that, when, you know, when like you were watching like, you know, Fox or MSNBC or one of those television shows and they bring on that, you know, like, let me bring in my special analyst person. I want to be that guy. And I want to come in and then behind me, you see all my trophies and you see all of my amazingness. You know what I mean? So back there, because they if they wrote a book, they always have that book behind them. You know what I mean? Like it's like sitting there. You know what I'm talking about? I'm pretty sure that their publicist makes them. But yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm gonna, I want to do that because then it gives me a little bit more. You know, I just it shows people like this guy's legit, legit or or separately, you know you could not have all that behind you and just, you know, present as you are and people might still be thinking you got meaningful, important things to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course they would. <laughs> but at the same point in time... <laughs> I don't know. I don't think some people are impressed with trophies as others. That's you know, look, saying. it's not about, listen, I'm not obsessed with trophies or anything. I'm just saying that, you know, if I work so hard to win all this, like I just watched the Arnold documentary on Netflix, which was phenomenal, by the way. And he has pictures of himself all over the place posing and flexing and then like movie posters of his own. And I was like, OK, I'm seeing my future here. I'm seeing my future. I'm going to have a whole room dedicated to this, just like you. Him. flexing and posing? Yes, flexing and posing. Just even though I don't, I'm not a bodybuilder, you know, I'm just naturally gifted in that way, clearly. But, you know, but in, in you know, having just all, surrounded by all my accomplishments all the time is what I'm thinking. Well, that'll I never, need. that'll, that'll never get lonely. Um, no, oh, oh, whoa. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> all right. All right, I'm then. Sitting, well, I'm sitting alone in my room. <laughs> surrounded by all of my accomplishments <laughs> oh my god all the things that i've done that's it so sounds healthy right. sounds super healthy <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad you agree with me so 
Things are going great here at the Universe of Pleasure. We're really excited and having fun. We've got a lot more episodes coming up this season. And uh, we're we really excited to we, share with you all the way. And if, yeah, we do. Did you write them? Okay, first of all. <laughs> I, I I don't under... Okay, hang on a second. I... That is... I, I don't need to write things. I am a free-flowing idea mm. person. That's what I do. It's free-flow... It's idea stuff. Your job is to come up with great titles and to give us doctory things. Listen, I'm just, we all know our roles here, okay? I don't know why you needed to bring that up after I told you about all my accomplishments. Were you just trying to, I, I don't, I don't know. know. You, you know what? what? Let's restart. Let's restart. Last time we did positive energy and it went well. Yeah, we I don't do know what's again. happening, but I feel like we're going on a backslide, okay? Yeah, you're right. We are. I started the backslide. I apologize. That's fine, and I accept your apology, uh, because I'm a humble enough person to say that I I I hear you, I take in your apology, and uh, thank you for you You're know welcome. saying so. So anyway, back to me. What I was saying was that I think that we're going to have some really fun episodes coming up through the summer. Don't forget, Fourth of July is coming up. Have sex for America. I'm real big on that here at the University of Pleasure, okay? And then there is uh, a new I sex would, therapist. I would, what I am big on is have sex for you. <laughs> yeah, but also for also for you too, yes. You know, I, I'm not making a political statement and just saying 4th of July, you know, it's just a play. Anyway, you're, you're interrupting my flow, okay? So, like, let's get back to what we were doing, okay? We have a lot of things coming up. Please go back and check out. We've got a new episode of Sex Therapist Shoot the Bleep. And it's out there. It's out there. And if you don't know what the bleep is, it's shit. I was going to say, like, why are we bleeping it? <laughs> I, just, I just was just having fun. All right. We're about to do a very serious episode. Okay. I'm just having a little fun right now. I'm trying to just get into my groove. Is that okay? That's totally fine. Thank you. Thank you. So. Check out the newest episode of Sex Therapist Shoot the Shit. Doc, tell us all about it. Yes. So it's an episode with the lovely and awesome, as always, Laura Rademacher. One of also my best friend, one of my family yep. friends. She's fantastic. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and we get to shoot the shit with Lindsay Hoskins, who's a sex educator Ooh, and yeah. does a lot with um, sex education with like parents and children. Excellent. Parents and children. Like, yeah, so she does a lot, like, of work with, like, like kind of, like, family sex education, which I think is an important topic, which a lot it's of a very, You know, we really should do a, an episode about, like, you know, kids learning about sex, like, giving parents some advice like that. Maybe we should have her on. Yeah, at some point, you know, I can uh, see, see, see if she's open and uh, would come in because she, she's got some awesome things to say. And I definitely, she talks about some of them in this episode, so... I would recommend it because I know it's always a tricky thing for parents to know how to navigate, but she does a, she, I mean, that's a really big part of uh, kind of what she does, but she's, she's a sex educator. All right. Well, I, I think it's a great idea that we have, of course it's a great idea. I came up with it, but we definitely should do an episode about like talking to your kids about sex. Cause we're educating adults here. And you know, I got to tell you, I didn't have the greatest of sex talks from my parents. I don't know if I've talked about it about here on the University of Pleasure, but we'll talk about that another time. And I was, you know, it was a lot of guessing. It was a good thing that I, you know, enjoyed going to Barnes & Noble and looking up the joy of sex, but I can't really say whether or not that was extremely helpful when I was 12 or, <laughs> <laughs> or what. But yeah. anyway, that's not the point. Today we have a bit of a serious episode. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of 
let you lead this here, Doc, because I know it's a very important topic. It's something that you deal with often in your practice. And, uh, you know, what, what, I'll even, I'm even going to let you do the title of this episode today. All right. Oh, well, I actually, you know what? I don't have a title for this yet. This was something that somebody wrote in and wanted some help with. So okay. this is more of a, of a answering somebody's question as okay. best as I can. Do you okay. want, do you want to read their email or do you want me to, you have that lovely reading voice? Yes, I do. Okay. And thank you for acknowledging it. And I'm going to have a poster made of that and also put that on my wall of accomplishments. Okay, here we go. I do separately. I do think there's a typo in the first sentence. I think post is have. Okay, let me give it a shot here. What should I do when I have traumatic negative feelings happening during sex with my partner? When should we stop and when should we keep going? We have talked about my history of sexual trauma. And I know that it's good to stop sex if hard feelings or body sensations are happening. But it's really difficult to tell sometimes whether to keep going or to stop because the feelings can be mild, inconsistent, or not registering. Sometimes it's hard to tell if a feeling uh, is significant enough to stop. Add to the intoxication of sexual arousal and it's hard to know what to do for either of us. Okay. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> this is such a great question um, because unfortunately, a lot of people have histories of sexual trauma mm. or maybe even traumatic experiences that impact how they feel sexually. I mean, sex is a very vulnerable act, right? So sometimes yeah. it doesn't even have to be necessarily a... Uh, traumatic experience that involves sex and it can still impact how somebody feels like you know you're putting a lot of trust <laughs> yes. in somebody when you're being sexual so yes this is true there's uh you know there's it's kind of a, a circumstance that's sort of ripe for like um protective you know like post-traumatic um uh reflexes and things that people have like symptoms that people might have like those are protective responses right like our brain is always trying to protect us right that's what it's always doing, right? So when people have experienced sort of traumatic instances, sometimes maybe they meet criteria for PTSD, maybe they don't, because we can have symptoms of things and maybe not necessarily have like a full-blown diagnosis of something, right? But right. So everything kind of is on a continuum. People can experience, you know, sort of post-traumatic symptoms from a mild to more severe perspective. And sometimes people can just have one or two symptoms, but they can really interfere quite a bit. And this question, part of the reason I was like, these are really good questions. And I would love to say that I have great answers. I can give you some answers, but one, uh, let's just, what can I, do you mind if I reread the, the, the first question? You reread anything you want. Okay. You're the doc. So it's, what should I do when I have post-traumatic negative feelings happen during sex with my partner? When should we stop? And when should we keep going? So this is going to be, a, and I promise that I'll say more, but my first answer is, I don't know, right? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. We're not going to end the episode here, I promise. Okay. Well, I mean, if we're doing YouTube shorts, which, you know, obviously we want to do eventually, that would be a very quick ending. Uh, it yeah. would be a good short. I don't know. But, so the question, the answer is, I don't know. Right. Uh, uh. I don't really, 
And I'm gonna let me. I, I will go. I will expand upon my. I don't know. Okay, okay. because listen, I, I, I'm, I'm so being a little bit. I'm being a little bit. Um, I, I, I don't. I'm be real with you, Doc. Okay, I'm gonna be real here for for our millions of fans all over the world. Okay, this is a very this is a very serious topic that I am not educated in. So I'm not gonna be as plucky, you know, Jeremiah Jamesy self that I normally am, because it's important that we get across uh, to really uh, uh, work on. I'm just want to use. I'm trying to use my words. You know, I'm trying to use words here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to make sure that I'm very clear that, you know, uh, I, I, I want to, I, I don't really know what I'm saying. I, if you say you don't know, I don't know what I'm saying. Is what right, I'm well, saying. But here's the reason, right? Like, this isn't, okay, if you're not noticing, both, like, you're like, ah, and I'm like, I don't know. Why are we both having those reactions, right? One, this is a very good question. It's a super good question. And it's a really good question. Part of, re- it, it is, um, it is indicative of what the person, why the person is writing in in the first place, because the answer is there's, there's not a clear cut answer to this question. Okay. Because it is incredibly dependent and likely very contextual. So the reason that I say, I don't know, is because sex, sex is contextual, right? So even on like, let's take it out of trauma. Okay. Like a trauma response or something that might be happening. We've talked about this on the podcast like many, many times in which you can one day of the week be really up for something sexually and it feels really good. And then you could go the next day, I don't know, maybe your mood's a little different. Maybe the temperature in the room is a little different, right? There's an infinite number of variables and suddenly what you loved the day before, you're not that into today. It's not feeling good. Right. Or maybe, I don't know, here's an example. Somebody might be using a vibrator and it's feeling good, feeling good. And all of a sudden it feels bad. Right. It just gets a little too overstimulated. Right. Or something happens with the body. And now all of a sudden it's like shit. And so it's really hard to predict. You know, most people that have engaged sexually can probably look back on sexual experiences. And I'm not talking about, again, in any kind of like uh, context even involving trauma, even when sex feels like it's relatively going well and fairly easily, where they can go, yeah, like sometimes I like thing A and it feels good. And sometimes I like thing A, or sometimes I try think that thing A that felt good and then I try it again and it feels different or it might even feel bad or stressful. <laughs> and that's okay. like a really normal part of sex, generally speaking. And because that's a really normal part of sex, it's always hard to be like, like, when is something going to feel good? And when is it not? And when you extend that to something, and for somebody that's maybe struggling with some post-traumatic negative feelings, it's really hard then to say like, okay, well, here are the exact like start and stop moments or here, like a lot of times when people maybe come on and come in and they, and I've done a lot of work with sexual trauma or trauma, generally speaking, in terms of how it's impacting people's sex lives. And a lot of times people come in and they're like, okay, I want to know all of my starts, stops, no's, yeses. And sometimes there are very clear ones. I want to be right. Like sometimes people are like having, they're like this particular behavior really upsets me. Right. Or really right, stresses right. me. Right. Where it's just super clear. There's no confusion. Yeah. And it's, and those are very clear. And frankly, those are the easier maybe boundaries to navigate or to figure out what to do with. But then, and this is what I think this person is writing about. Then (laughs) there are all these other really subtle shifts and changes that can happen for people 
just in a normative way, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That also come in and can intersect with traumatic experiences in ways that make it really confusing and can make it really hard. And I say that not to be like, so best of luck to you. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Like I say that because I do think a part of healing and figuring out um, uh, how to have uh, uh, the sexual life that you want to have post-trauma often does have to, is, is rooted often in a lot of like, I would call like self-compassion and acceptance work, right? And what I mean by that is like having patience with yourself or if it's your partner, with your partner about, you know, this is going to be an evolution over time. And what is true one day might not be true the next day. And how can you like engage in a lot of like self-kindness and maybe even kindness with, if you're being but, sexual but, but, it, but I want to be clear also, it's okay, right? Like it's okay that one day something is okay. Yeah. And then the next day it's not okay. And, yeah. and that's okay. Right. Like, yes. I mean, that's part of my sort of soliloquy around like, this is just part of sex, right? When I say, and a lot of people, I'm not the first person to say this, like that sex is contextual, meaning context matters what feels good, what feels nice, what feels pleasurable, what feels like squicky or weird. Like these things can, they can change and evolve and move, right? Like it's, it's, if we just set trauma aside for a second, right? Just to like create a a highlight of it. It's part of, or like to kind of highlight this point and why maybe sometimes it's a struggle because as a human species, we love to think about things in black and white, right? Right. We love things simple. Listen, I love it. Yeah. Give me black and white, Doc. Give me black and white. Oh, <laughs> right. I'm ready. I know. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast, and I drive people nuts with it, right? Because we want black and white. We want clear. I don't we want know about concrete. people, but you sure drive me nuts. I know. <laughs> uh, clear, concrete, concise, like, boundaries or things that are like yeses and nos. We hate maybes. <laughs> we don't like them as much. And when I say we, I mean, I don't even mean that consciously. I mean, literally, our mind doesn't like them as much. They create stress. Sure. ambiguity anxiety our brain wants to be able to be like conveniently and unconsciously putting things in like its little boxes and moving on with the day it just is you know trying to do its business and so things like this can can get and like so this i you know and i don't know this person right but i i'm imagining part of the stress and why this person is writing in with this is that part of what makes it so stressful is that it's not concrete it's not clear like if i read what this person said it's Um, but it's really difficult to tell sometimes whether to keep going or stop because feelings can be mild, inconsistent, not registering. It's hard to tell if a feeling is significant enough to stop. And then you add to that the intoxication of sexual arousal. And I'll talk about that part. And it's hard to know what to do for either of us. So like, really this person is expressing this, like it's always changing. It's always Mm. shifting and it's always moving and it's making it hard to track. And all of that, this is more me saying like, all of that is very real. And if I'm being honest, that that might be an experience that someone continues to have. What I work with people more on is how they're responding to that experience. Okay. And we can, I don't know if now's a good time for a break because I can come yeah, back. Well, uh, yeah, we can come back. We can come back. But I wanted to just kind of get, you know, I wanted to ask a question about the question. Please. So it says, when should we, and when should, you know, when should we stop and when should we keep going? Now, is this what you're going to address after the break? 
like directly? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't. Well, because I, I, mean, oh, like, yeah, so- I mean, my question, you know, is this, you know, like if it's a bullseye, that's always kind of hard to, 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 to get at. Right. Yeah. And the question directly is when should we stop and when should we keep going? Is it just when you say, I don't know, is it just like, well, if you it feel it just, it depends. All right. Well, we're definitely taking a break then. If that's yep. the answer we're taking, <laughs> I have to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial, folks, because it's a word from our sponsor, and our sponsor is Choke Coffee. That's right, folks, our first sponsor, and this is our first in-between commercial break for ChokeCoffeeCode.com. Choke Coffee is submission fuel for the grappling enthusiast. It's all about jujitsu, baby. And I, Jeremiah James, your old pal, is a jujitsu champion in my own mind. That's right. In my own mind, and I love drinking a little White Belt Tears, a breakfast blend super smooth with hints of vanilla, and it's the best seller at ChokeCoffeeCo.com. So go to ChokeCoffeeCo.com. It is for the grappling enthusiasts. ChokeCoffeeCo.com. We are back. I'm glad we took that break because I needed it. That answer was just too loosey goosey. We were talking about. <laughs> I love a black and white answer. I was like, well, maybe I could uh, say something that'd be like, well, yeah, it's in this situation. We would, you know, you would just if you'd blah blah blah. But clearly, I have no idea what I'm talking about because this steps out of the realm of myself being uh, a guru in the aspects that I know and understand of the world here at the University of Pleasure. So, talk to us, Doc. It depends. Yeah, like, so if we look at the question, all right, when should we stop and when should we keep going? I do mean that. Like, if someone was sitting in my office and they said, when when should we stop and when should we keep going? I would answer with, well, it depends. And I wouldn't just leave it at that. <laughs> What I would try to do, and so this is what, one of the things that makes this is really hard to ask, like to answer this, and side note, um, I should mention that this this person um, that wrote in identifies as a cisgender male. Okay. And I should say that because I think a lot of times I didn't uh, say anything about gender, and I would encourage the audience to think about, did you imagine that it was a woman while I was talking? Yes, I got to be honest, this entire time, like you just threw a curveball at me, because this entire time I thought we were talking about a lady. So I, or a a cisgender woman is what I was gathering in my mind. And that's hilarious that you just said, I mean, genuinely, because like you just said it was a male and you see the look of it. I was like, what? Like, oh, which that is very powerful because there is sexual trauma for men and for cisgender men. Well, male identifying people in general. Yes. In general, you know, and it, uh, so I'm, 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 uh. I'm a little stunned by that in this context, and but at the same time, it's important that we talk about it because it's it does not just happen to female identifying people. It just it's right. it is I, universal to humans. Universal to humans across the gender spectrum, right? Unfortunately, many people have had traumatic and sexually traumatic 
experiences and these things impact everyone. And I, and I do, you know, and I wasn't like a trick, right? But like, no, um, I don't, I didn't, I didn't listen. I want to be clear. I didn't take it as a trick. I don't think our audience take it as a trick. I don't, you know, but it, it did surprise me because just I have no context. And so in my head, it automatically went to, right. you know, most of the stories that you know and hear in society by and large, uh, you know, that you would see like on media and whatnot is usually uh, male identifying men to, uh, you know, uh, hurting female identifying people, right? And yeah, so, I think yeah. I think the majority that we hear about in culture is cis, cisgender male violence to cisgender female violence, except right. there's all sorts of sexual violence to people across the gender spectrum. There's a significant amount of sexual violence to trans women and trans feminine people and also trans masculine people. And like, so anyway, unfortunately, these are experiences that people are having and that really is not, is not confined by gender in any way. Um, but, and I, part of the reason I just say that is like, I do know, and and that was just like, I sort of naturally often like, A, I was reading this person's stuff. And I also just generally talk in more gender neutral terms because a lot of these things are applicable again across gender spectrum. But um, I do think that there are a lot, and we probably maybe would do a separate episode at a different time. There are a lot of, um, really big misconceptualizations about how common uh, male sexual trauma is. And it's, incre- it's much more common than people realize, but unfortunately because of like uh, kind of narratives that we have uh, culturally, also like kind of some maybe toxic masculinity stuff. It's something that's not often talked about. Um, and I say that that's also like something that can, you know, <laughs> a lot of men can have a really hard time also dealing with some of these issues because they're often feeling like they're not supposed to be impacted by traumatic Right, they're not supposed to feel that way in general. Right, right. right. And so that does add an extra layer of complexity, right? But back to my sort of statement around, like if this person was sitting in my office and they asked me this question directly, I would answer with it depends. And then we would spend some time like really looking at and exploring. Um, and I should say all this, I think when things are starting to feel really, this is a time to like get a professional involved right? This would be a very good time when somebody's like, hat, like, you know, you're maybe, you know, like, don't get me wrong, like books can be helpful, podcasts can be helpful. But if you're having like really significant struggles with these things, and it's causing a lot of distress, like, I would highly encourage that you get a professional involved. Um, right, right. Because anything that like, I am saying today is going to be incredibly limited, because one of the first things I would do with this person is really start looking at what's actually happening in the moment, right? And I, and I say that because like, so for instance, um, uh, it's hard to know when to stop, like, like the bodily, like when hard, if hard feelings or bodily sensations are happening, right? Like I would want to understand like pretty in depth, like what is that? What are the hard feelings? Like, what are the type of feelings that are showing up? What are the bodily sensations? Because part of what I'm going to be working with people to, to start to do is like a process of discernment. What is the stuff that can coexist with pleasure? Does that make sense? Of course. Like, what are the sensory experiences or even mental experiences that can coexist with pleasure? And I say that because sometimes maybe people don't have to stop. They can just sort of make space for those <laughs> in their minds while they're being sexual. So maybe they don't have to pause or stop. 
And again, that takes a lot of fine tuning with the individual person. Mm -hmm. And what are the sensory experiences or the mental experiences that are becoming so distressing that it really would be harmful or to self or partner to try to keep pushing through that. Right. And as this person is indicating, even then, sometimes it's tricky because um, this piece, this is such a good question, by the way. Um, I love questions that make me go, oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're, the, they're, they're the best. Uh, well, good for you. <laughs> you. You don't love those questions as much. <laughs> I like to know answers. I like to, I, you know. I'm a fixer, Doc. We've we've explained this already. The, the, what I do is I'll be like, yep, no problem. You need me to come put up those shelves? I have that answer. No problem. Yeah, but we're and not... get a question where I'm like, hmm. hmm. If it doesn't growing. have a discernible we're not growing answer. Listen, I'm all about growth. We know I'm all about growth. I'm all about growth. <laughs> I've grown look how much I've grown in, in you know, season four here. I'm growing. I'm growing, okay? But sometimes it's hard. Growth it is, is hard. hard. It and is this hard. is a question. This is a, this is a moment where I'm like, hey, yeah, okay, this is I'm like... embracing the growth. Okay, I'm embracing that I don't understand and there's no discernible answer. I want to say something like, should they get a legal notepad and write things down after <laughs> a sexual experience? You know, can I say something that's helpful? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Like sometimes side note, documenting things that you're experiencing is very helpful. But I guess my my point around like this, uh, if I'm trying to track back where I was because I know this is a really abstract topic, but like like that idea of, um, like I said, this person's asking such a good question, right? This point of like, sometimes the intoxication of sexual arousal makes it hard to know. So when I talk about that, like a lot of times I'm working with some acceptance and self-compassion, sometimes people are going to push too far. They're going to push themselves too far. And when I say I'm working with people on their reactions, part of what I'm working on is like, how can you give yourself some grace with that? Because there isn't an exact target. There right. isn't an exact spot that you can always hit. It's just too complex. So hypothetically, if let's say you're like kind of having a, a negative kind of sensory post-traumatic sort of symptom, right? Like um, maybe somebody's starting to have some like let's say like some intrusive thoughts. So intrusive thoughts would just be thoughts that you don't want to be having, but they're intrusive thoughts of past trauma. But yep. you're also, because we can be having multiple experiences at one time, but you're also feeling like really turned on, right? Like really turned on by what's happening. And this is where it gets really tricky. I'm going to say this and people don't always love this, but it happens. So, and we've talked about it on the podcast before. Fear is arousal, Right. It is another form of arousal. And so fear can also amplify sexual arousal. Okay. So sometimes you can have a traumatic memory or thought coming in and it's taking your sexual arousal and then it's amplifying your sexual arousal and making it even more potent. And so it actually kind of feels confusing in the moment, but it makes it hard to step away from that sexual experience. Right. Right, Am I making right, right. sense? Yes, totally making sense. Right. And so what the struggle is, is that somebody can have that happen and then the sexual event is over and then they feel tons of shame. Okay. So much shame because they're like, I was having this sexual time that I wanted to feel way A about, right? And I had this traumatic memory or thought or even sensation come up. And I, now I feel like I was like getting turned on by my trauma. Okay. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I mean, it totally makes sense. I, I mean, right. yeah. And then people feel really bad about that. Like they should have been able to stop it or they should have been able to like prevent that from happening in some kind of way. And what I would say is like, oh, here's where self-compassion is really important. Sure. That's really hard. That would be a really tough ask of self. Like it is not an uncommon experience for someone to find themselves essentially what would be referred to as eroticizing drama, right? Okay. Where, where they're having, where they're noticing that they're getting turned on by a traumatic experience. And we could go into all sorts of theories as to why that is, but I think the brain likes the path of least resistance, right? It's, it's sort of protective in a certain way to, it's much more pleasant to be turned on by it than it is to be just objectively, you know, have abject fear mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. around it. And so the, these, these are things that our minds are doing sometimes without often without our permission. It's just our mind trying to sort things out. But if you leave a sexual experience and something like that happens and you're like, oh, why did I do that? Or let's say that's not what's happening, but it's more of just like, you know, that you were feeling panicky, but you kept going. And then you're like, I should have stopped. What's wrong with me? Or maybe your partner's like, I didn't read the cue. I missed it. Well, I would say, I mean, if I, if I may interrupt there, I I mean, I hope you're going to lead to a place where it's like, just give yourself a little grace here. Like, you know, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I mean by self-compassion, right? Like self-compassion is really the practice of being like, I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. Doing the best you can. Listen, this is, this is a really difficult and complicated topic. And, you know, we always talk here at the university of pleasure about, uh, you know, uh, how sex you know, can also make you crazy. Like things, you know, like we talked about that. We've done episodes about that. Am I wrong? Can we talk about how like sex can make you like, like make decisions that. Oh yeah. Like, arousal like, can, arousal can totally hijack your brain and decision-making in certain ways. Right. 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 So and like, I, you know, you know, we're just saying here, like give yourself a little bit of grace. If you're missing a, you know, uh, something came up and you just kept going and you were in the moment and you know, when you're done and it feels like, oh, I should have stopped or everything, you know, our brains are real complicated machines, you know, and, uh, you know, give yourself a little bit of great. Listen, I'm not trying to give advice here. I'm not, I'm trying not to, uh, I don't want to screw this all up for us. (laughs) No, I don't. What I want to say, I'm I'm trying, I'm just like, I I, want to hug this person. Like I just have this thing of being like, you know, I just want to kind of reach out and go, Hey person, you know, Give yourself a little grace. You might miss a cue. You might, you know, have a, something come up and then, you know, it, it'll go away or you it'll turn into something else. And then you just kind of keep rolling. You know, the one thing if I've learned of is Jeremiah James here at the University of Pleasure working with the doc. It's just not so simple and cut and dry. And in a moment like this, you know, I mean, sex is not cut and dry when it's all just, you know, everything's great and there's no sexual trauma you know it's it's, it's it can never be very i mean in my experience it's, it's rarely cut and dry and right. so if i can say something about this person that's writing in what i want to say is it sounds like they are already doing a really good job yeah and the and the reason i would say that is like we've talked about my history of trauma we've talked about like stopping if hard feelings or difficult body sensations are happening like 
number one, this person has done something that I think is like one of the most important things to do is talking to your partner. So one, you can be free to push pause in moments if you need to. And I understand that this person is saying that sometimes it's not, it's not always working exactly as they'd like, but like, I have a suspicion that they're like, it's all relative, right? That they're probably Mm -hmm. still doing a pretty good job with this comparative to maybe somebody that hasn't talked with a partner about their history or is afraid. And I totally get why, like is afraid to bring that up. Cause I've talked with many clients that are like, I don't want somebody to see me as sexually broken or to worry that I'm not going to be fun in bed. You know, we all have our fears. Sure. And sometimes too, if we're not talking to our partners about what's happening, like one of the bigger reasons that people often don't want to like interrupt activity, like sexual activity, and that could be about trauma or just discomfort, you know, that has yeah. nothing to do with trauma yeah, of course. is because they're worried about ruining their partner's good time. Right. Right. And something I'm going to tell you is, uh, you know, anecdotally speaking, it doesn't make it fact, but I, I talk to a lot of people and I talk to a lot of partners, most partners, unless they just really don't give a crap are going to be like, I'm not having fun when I notice you're uncomfortable. That's not fun for me. It's actually upsetting for me. It's distressing for me. Why? Because a lot of our pleasure, it's compersion, right? A lot of our pleasure comes from the pleasure of our partner. Uh And so if we notice that they seem uncomfortable or they're having a hard time, it's hard to just keep on being like, oh, it's fine. Let me just keep enjoying this joy ride all on myself. (laughs) Like, yeah. Most people, like the high majority of people, that is not going to be a good sexual experience. And I get to talk to so many partners that are like, oh, I would way rather we pause or we stop because I'm not having a good time either. But it's interesting. A lot of people won't talk about or won't say or won't pause things when they need to because they're like, well, I don't want to make this a bad time for you. And the irony is by not doing it, it's actually making it a much more uncomfortable time for both. Agreed. People. Agreed. And for this person specifically who's saying, you know, it's hard to, they say, it, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell if a feeling is significant enough to stop. Yeah. What would you say to that? I mean, the, <laughs> like, that idea of like, if it's like, I think that this is where I'm like, there's got to be a lot of grace. There's got to be a lot of grace for yourself because all anybody can do is try to like trust their gut in the moment. And sometimes we reflect on a moment and say we were wrong. The reality is is the more, so when I say this person is doing a really good job already, like the fact that they're having these, like what sound like pretty open dialogue with partners and they're trying, it sounds like this person is already engaging a number of strategies Uh with their partner. Uh So this is an answer that everyone hates. (laughs) but it's also really important. This is going like, what can I do? This idea of like practicing both like grace for yourself, but also like patience with the process. And patience, no one likes me when I give them that answer. Yeah. People don't want to pay me for that answer, by the no, way. <laughs> they, well, that's the thing. It's like I'm paying all this money to come. I want you to tell me like, you know, I don't want to be told like, just, you know, take, take it easy take the time or patience is the thing. I'm like, no, I want it to be fixed. I right. want to be and, better. And I totally get that. And I respect that. And as a fellow human, deeply understand why at times when someone tells us like, 
you have to have patience. It's like, oh, screw you, lady. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because you don't, like, why? Like, it's really hard when someone's uncomfortable. But think about it like, uh, let's take it out of sex. Think about it like physical therapy or something, right? Like, if somebody has an injury and they're, they're like, I got to get back up to running. Let's say they, I don't know, break their ankle in six places or something, right? And they're like, I got to get back up. I got a marathon in, you know, three months. I got to get back up there. And it's like, well, if you push that and you keep pushing that, you're going to keep creating more of an injury. Yeah. If you're patient, you might have to miss the marathon, but you might be able to run one next year. There you go. And when I talk about patience in this context, part of this patience, the reason that I say it is that like this idea, sometimes it's hard to tell if a feeling is significant enough to stop. We're talking about really fine-tuned internal data. And the more this person and their partner keep practicing, the more their mind is going to be able to tune it. Like, you know, you think about it, like in the beginning, a lot of times, especially with like trauma work around like sexual trauma work, people are, it, we can identify those like big no's, those big things that are like, absolutely not, or like those big feelings. But as people heal, it starts to get small in good ways, right? It mm -hmm. starts to be like, it's not as obvious to me, which is, which tells me this person's done work, right? Yes. It's not as obvious to me now in the moment. And that's the stuff that's like, yep, that's the real finicky bullshit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, but if you take time and you and your partner keep taking time, and I think actually, I would guess in many ways, maybe keep doing exactly what you're doing. Your mind is going to keep picking up on micro cues and little things that help you make better and better and better choices around like, here's when I can pause actually you know what? We pushed through this last time. <laughs> I now recognize this feeling and I felt bad last time when we pushed through this. So now time three, I think I got it. We're not pushing through this one. There We're going to take go. a little pause. There you go. And that is where that piece of patience becomes really important. Patience isn't just like patience for the sake of patience. Patience is literally around giving your mind time to start to adjust to the nuances and the fine tuning that it needs to make to protect you. And it needs time to do that. And it's going to, it's going to be, so the stuff that's easier in the beginning, like if someone comes to therapy for this to attend to is the big stuff, the big reactions. That's why this is such a good question, right? Because I could give you a list of stuff for the big reactions, but the stuff that starts to get really tricky is this, more like we've, we've identified the big no's, the big boundaries that I need to have because I'm having a very visceral reaction. Like, let's say somebody's like, I, I can't do a sexual act. I don't know. Maybe somebody's like oral is really triggering. Okay. What are some adaptations we can do around that? That's totally different than sometimes when I get a little too sexually aroused, I notice having a panic reaction. Well, that's well, much okay. trickier yes that's a little bit on the like um oh that, that, <laughs> yeah that's much trickier doc you're that's the best way to say right. it. because that that's different than like something really concrete and specific where it's like oh we could take that out we could adapt that worse this person's question and it's why it's so good and it's such a good question is when people have maybe done a little like or, or even a lot of work around the bigger more identifiable stuff 
And now it's more these like kind of emotional nuances, which is why it's always an annoying answer to be like, I don't know, or it depends because it's so nuanced that it's going to require, and I'm not saying this in a bad way. I'm saying this in a like, you know, people are amazingly resilient, amazingly resilient. And it's often around like, hey, I can like, so for instance, it sounds like this and this person and their partner are doing a lot of work. If I, I don't know this, this person, but if we were chatting, I would imagine that along with some of these difficult feelings, they're also having some really positive sexual experiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but my guess is they probably are. Well, it are. seems based on what, you know, they sent here that it would be that they, they are and they're practicing and they, they have some really good uh, starting points of focus where they're clearly aware of needing to be aware and trying to navigate this world with their partner. I mean, look, I'm, I'm obviously reading between the lines. It's not a very long explanation no. or question, but it seems to me that they're working very hard already and they're on a good path. And I think, you know, if they, like you were saying, if they keep going and they keep staying on this path and they have one of those moments come up and they'd go again and they didn't quite know how to identify that, you know, maybe by time two or three, they might go up. Oh, that's one of those things. So then how mm-hmm. do I navigate that feeling and stopping and maybe work on that specifically, hopefully with a professional where I can, you know, work through that and continue to grow and learn. Right. Uh, because it, 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 I mean, it seems that they're doing really great <laughs> so, work yeah. so far. Yeah. And again, I, there's not enough detail in here for me to like, there's maybe some like specific feedback or even advice that I would give to somebody, like if I had a little bit more information, but, and I don't know, this may or may not apply to this person. I have no idea, but this is also something generally that I talk to people about when they're having similar type of struggles, which is, um, and this person might already be doing an excellent job at this, but what I want to know is the story that people are telling themselves about the sex they're having right? What is the story you're telling yourself? If the story you're telling yourself is, well, if I had a sexual event in which any type of sort of reminder of trauma shows up, now that goes in the category of bad sex, I would say, we need to rewrite that story, right? Because a lot of times, you know, it's all, most of life is mental gymnastics, right? It's all Mm -hmm. about the angle that we're looking at something from. And so, and most about mental health is often can be about mental gymnastics around finding a different perspective or a different way, like to look at something or experience something. How we think impacts what we do and it impacts what we experience Mm -hmm. and how we experience things. So like if somebody is like sitting in front of me and they're saying, you know, Tara, I'm like, well, I was having this beautiful event with my partner and then, you know, I had this intrusive thought of some past trauma come up and, you know, and then we went on and I'm just so mad because it ruined it. I would say, does it have to, right? Can those things coexist? Can you let those things like, can you, one of the challenges that I give to people, and this is hard and I am not saying this is hard. This is work. Can you have a good sexual experience while having trauma reminders and let them be a part of it rather than like trauma reminder equals bad experience, right? Sometimes what we have to learn how to do, and this is when I say like acceptance-based strategies, right? Which is more about like, I can have a great sexual experience even if I'm having thoughts of past trauma. 
That yeah. doesn't mean if something's really distressing, don't stop or pause or, you of know, course, cease things. Of course, right. I'm more talking about not letting that. And this is a, in certain ways about like also like um, finding em- empowerment in certain ways, which is like, these are not things that get to define my experience, right? Right, right, if, right. If, I, if my mind is pulling in thoughts I don't want to have without my permission during a sexual encounter, you as a person get to decide where you put that and the amount of sort of power you give that do you and i'm not saying this is easy by the way i want to be very clear like it's very easy to sit and say this these are hard practices for people so i don't want to be like so just do this like it's there's no just it's practice but like being able to go you know that was a you know like i can have a a difficult sexual thought or a diff or, or a difficult maybe trauma related thought or even sensory experience and like, as long as I feel like I'm taking care of myself in the way that I need to, and, and my partner is too, that can still go down as a good sexual experience or a positive sexual experience. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the thing that defines everything. And it's really hard because this isn't specific enough for me, but like, I work individually with people around like, how do you do that? Like, how right. can we help this actually be the right. case for you? That these things don't define any given experience like you know and it comes that that approach comes out of health psychology a little bit like earlier in the episode you were talking about my migraines and I promise this as a point when I was uh younger I went and saw a health psychologist and this health psychologist um said to me you know that you can have a migraine and have a good day right and I was like fuck you man oh (laughs) I was like what I remember feeling really crabby about it when I left. I was like, fuck you, man. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go back and see you now. Man, you can have migraine and have a good day. You've never had migraine, man. <laughs> and like, I just remember being like really like snarky. And then I like thought about it. And I thought about it for a while. And I was like, that's a really interesting idea. Yeah. I never thought about that. That like these because I was getting a lot of headaches like a lot of them and they were really starting to define my day and like define how I moved through the world side note I'm not saying a migraine is comparable to trauma I want to be very clear this is just a psychological comparison around maybe an idea but like this idea that like pain whether it's emotional pain physical pain doesn't have to define an experience in totality to me that was a very like eye-opening idea And I think about that as it also applies to other difficult, painful experiences we're having. And most certainly healing from trauma is a very painful experience. So, and don't, and here's the other thing. And so this is the tricky thing. (laughs) Sometimes though, it is also all right. I say this knowing sometimes it's also all right to go, you know, that those trauma memories or those trauma experiences I was having during sex really fucked it up for me that day. Right, 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 right. Right, like it is kind of like allowing both to be, and I know it's so heady, (laughs) but it's kind of about working to figure out how to allow both to be true, that you get to have your experience. The piece that I'm talking about, like, it doesn't have to define, like, so for instance, the example of like, you know, your migraine doesn't need to equal a bad day. It's really more about opening the door of possibility around like, how am I letting certain experiences define than my my sort of uh, bigger experience in totality, right? For someone that's experiencing a, a post-traumatic set of symptoms, that's not something you get to like just 
consciously control, right? Your power over that is limited to many things, right? And sometimes I've watched people put years of work in and still have things pop up. Right. 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 That is not a failing of someone as an individual. That's just how our minds work when they've been through really difficult experiences. They just want to protect us. And so sometimes learning how to have those experiences as like a, okay, you're not a passenger in my life that I'm like super thrilled with, but I'm going to figure out how to work with you. Right. But I'm going to figure out how (laughs) to make it happen. Right. And not have you be driving the bus on my experience. Right. Right. I hope I'm making sense in what I'm talking about here, Jeremiah. You're totally making sense, Doc. I feel you. And I think, you know, this is a good place where we can kind of wrap up because of this, you know, this person you know, I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for reaching out to us because it was really a great question. Clearly, I was struggling to, uh, you know, answer parts of this or, or, or respond properly to parts of this. And I'm great. You know what I mean? I'm really, really great at answering questions like these. Don't you think, Doc? Doc? I think that we have our, our different roles on this podcast. Right. And I'm just that great. So the point is, and I feel that that was an affirmation. So anyway, and because I take, see, I've learned a lot here. I've learned a lot. And it's about how you take things too and how you you perceive things. The story that you tell yourself, yes, for better or worse. That's right. And I (laughs) I took that as a reaffirmation. Anyway, so the point is, thank you so much for actually sending this. I know this was not an easy thing to to put out there. And uh, and genuinely, Doc, I want to thank you because the one thing I have learned here at the University of Pledger, and I am all about growth, all right, uh, is that things can be, there, there are sometimes just no simple answers right. to uh, questions that are asked. And I am grateful to this listener for putting themselves out there, asking such an important question. And I was very shocked that it was a man because I, you know, we automatically go into this or a, a, a cisgender man. I apologize. I'm trying to navigate those words as well. I'm not always the best at it. So uh, I apologize if I said that wrong. Doc. Remind me how I should. Yeah. So this would, this person is a cisgender man, meaning cisgender doesn't, I, doesn't man. identify as like trans, non-binary or gender diverse masculine yeah. person. So. Uh, but I just want to say thank you so much for sending that out. Thank you for putting yourself out there and, and being willing to chat with us here at the University of Pleasure. And and because it is sometimes there's just not an easy answer. And uh, I'm going to let you kind of close this yeah. out here, Doc. Yeah. As always, I do have one more quick thing just because I, I should give something concrete since everything else has been long uh, abstract soliloquies. Um, I will say to the question of when should we stop and when should we keep going? One concrete thing that I would give to anybody, when in doubt, pause. Pause doesn't mean that you can't um, pause and like take an assessment. I always encourage people that pauses are more not like, I'm so sorry, (laughs) you've got nothing to apologize for, right? Pauses are more maybe fine if there's another way to be physical or intimate, that doesn't even necessarily mean to be sexual. That could be snuggling and watching a TV show. And maybe just give yourself a chance to assess. If you're going to error in one direction, error in maybe the direction of overly overly cautious versus less. Because pushing through something that's really uncomfortable is often going to end up maybe with more distress versus like, ah, you know, I don't know that we needed to pause there. That's going to maybe be a less negatively impactful. But talk to your partner about that plan. 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because yes. again, a lot of the distress that people have about taking those pauses is about partner reaction. Yes. So if you feel a lot of safety with your partner to be like a little overly cautious with a pause, like, hey, if I'm feeling a lot of stuff as I'm getting more comfortable, I might be a little overly ambitious with a pause. As long as you and you've talked to your partner and you two, like your partner knows what's going on there too. There's, there's going to be like, that might be more of a, like a frustration versus like, oh, wow. I felt if you push through too much, that might, those might become things that feel like harmful or, you know, some people might even use the phrase in a more severe sensation or more severe cases, like re-traumatizing in certain ways. So if you're going to err in any direction, err on the side of when in doubt. Because it's it's rarely going to be as harmful, you know, and again, there might be different opinions on this, but this is just mine. It's probably not going to be as harmful if you just continue to push through and pauses don't need to be full stops. We don't, and sometimes they need to be, but they don't always need to be that. Sometimes they can just be a, let me get a glass of water. (laughs) Yeah. Get a glass of water or I need to go to the bathroom really quick and just take a breath and turn around, come back and jump back in the game. And, you know, maybe jump back. Here's the great thing. I can honestly say that you have taught me there's no rules. There is there's no, no rules. rules. There's no like it has to and be this or it has to be that. And and I there tell is you, no script. The script is actually false. You can write whatever freaking storyline you want to write. Yep. And I tell you, that's one of the most freeing things that I've learned here on the University of Pleasure. There are no rules. There is no script. It really is only what works for you and your partner and that you talk through together. None, it doesn't matter what other people do or what, how they might handle something. This is you and your situation. So no rules, baby. It's free. <laughs> it's like the Wild West. You're just a gunslinger out there doing your thing. Don't worry about it. It's whatever you want it to be. And so I appreciate you, Doc. I appreciate all that you do for so many people. And this was a, a very important episode. And I think we'll probably do another one of these in a different way because I think it's such an important topic. So many people deal with trauma in their sexual, you know, past sexual trauma. And I know this is something that you specialize in. And I just, again, want to say thank you so, so much to this person for writing. Yeah, I think we could do it. If I'm being really honest with you, I think it would be really good to do maybe more of like a just, because this person is asking a question that I would say is a question coming from the perspective of someone who sounds like they've already done a lot of work which is different than maybe somebody that's just starting on that journey. And there's maybe some more concrete things, but it would be a good episode to get Laura Rademacher on as well. My best friend, my family friend, my friend of so many years. She's always got a lot of, I think, uh, and um, probably additive things. You know, she's got some strengths that I don't have. And I think that she'd be a really lovely person to fill in some of those gaps as well. Absolutely. And I have so many strengths that you don't have. And and, and there's so, I mean, see, it's all balance. It's all balance, right? A a really infallible sense of confidence. That would be a, that would be a strength that you have. That's right. That's exactly right. Infallible sense of confidence, AKA Jeremiah James. There There we go. Well, Doc, thank you so much for all you do for so many people. Thank you for this episode. This was a really, really uh, a difficult one for me to navigate, and I was glad to be sitting shotgun on this ride with you. And uh, again, if you are struggling with trauma, in sexual trauma in your life, please take the time to go find a professional to talk to. We're thrilled to be able to have this platform and be able to help people out there. But if you really are struggling, as we always say here at the University of Pleasure Doc is. Oh, go go find a good provider. There's, And I know sometimes it might take a minute. I know sometimes that can be a frustrating process. But if 
more often than not, if you keep kind of checking in or like connecting with people, you know, some people find folks really easily and sometimes it's a little bit hard to process. But yeah, it's got to be like not. a good comfy pair of shoes. You got to feel yeah. comfortable. And if they don't fit right, you go on and you find somebody else. It can be a process. But in the end, just remember, if you really are struggling that way, we always encourage you and we're the biggest advocates of it here. Go find uh, some professional help and, uh, you know, be kind to one another. It's not easy out there. So thank you, Doc, again. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye, Doc. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Feldstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.